back to the 1-2 Kentucky Blue Podcast. I am your host, Coach John Spurlock. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It's our first episode in the year 2024, and I'm excited to have Samara Gonzalez-Adams on the podcast with me. Samara is one of our newest dietitians. She was brought on to Kentucky in August of 2023. She's done a great job so far, and she's about to start her first full semester with us in our ADP unit. She works with our volleyball team and our men and women's basketball programs. Like always, I hope you enjoy our conversation. Awesome. Well, Samara, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Um, let's just start off with a quick intro of you, where you're where you went to school, your degrees, your education, and then even some uh, previous jobs that you had before landing at Kentucky? Uh, yeah. Uh, wow. So I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, as I'm sure we've talked about. Um, and honestly, nutrition was not a big thing back home. So um, I really don't remember ever talking or knowing a dietitian growing up. So I originally wanted to go into culinary school. I wanted to be a chef. I always loved cooking. I always loved baking. And that's what I wanted to do. Um, but then my mom basically said, are you sure? Like, you're really good at science. Are you sure you don't want to do anything more with that? And then she's the one who kind of brought nutrition into my life. So um, I started kind of, you know, I was, I think it was 10th or 11th grade. I started Googling and that's when I found nutrition. I was like, okay, it is like science and cooking, like two things that are together I like that um so that's kind of what sent me down the nutrition path um so I left high school went to Johnson and Wills University in Providence Rhode Island um because they had a culinary nutrition program so that basically meant that I got my associates in baking and pastry and my associates in culinary arts and then I also got my bachelor's in nutrition so it's literally like the best of both worlds for me <laughs> it was great um and then I started missing sports. So I was an athlete growing up and then I decided not to do it collegiately because uh, I really wanted to focus on my studies. And I was like, I really do miss sports. And then this job popped up my sophomore year to be an assistant to the athletic trainers at my undergrad. And I was like, why not? Right. It seems easy enough. I had no idea what an athletic trainer was, but I was like, the job description seems like I can do it. <laughs> so I did. And that was my first look into collegiate sports. It was a small D3 school, very different than where we are now. But um, I was hooked. I was like, this is, I definitely want to be in <clears throat> athletics in some form. So uh, that's kind of when I learned about sports nutrition. And that was it for me. I was like, you got cooking, you got nutrition, and you have sports, but done. <laughs> and that was kind of when I decided I was going to be into sports nutrition. So I did my bachelor's degree at Johnson and Wales, finished that, then went to do my internship because we have to do a dietetic internship. Um, I did that at Lipscomb in Nashville. And I also added on my um, master's of exercise and nutrition science because I had a really solid background in nutrition, had zero kinesiology background. And I knew that if I want to be in sports, that could only help me. So I was at Lipscomb for two years did my internship and my master's. And I also worked as a, a sports nutrition graduate assistant there with their program. And um, we talked about this during your interview, but I forgot, yeah. but Ann Arms, and that's not her last name now, but was that your She's supervisor? Yeah. Was yeah. that your supervisor at Lipscomb? Yes. That's awesome. 
love her. She's great. Yeah. I haven't talked to her (laughs) Um, in years, but. I'm a Kentucky alum and she always told me how great Kentucky was. Never thought I'd end up here. Crazy. Um, But yeah, I was was at Lipscomb with her, learned a lot under her. um, And after two years, got that master's finished and I was a full-fledged dietitian. And then I kind of was at a crossroads, right? I could go straight back into sports and like find a full-time job or um, this job popped up, literally fell in my lap and it was an outpatient dietitian job. And uh, at the moment I thought, you know, I do want to continue working on my counseling skills. Learned a lot during my internship, but it was mainly inpatient stuff and inpatient counseling and outpatient counseling, which is more what we do here, is night and day different. So I kind of made that veered to the right a little bit and decided to go into outpatient dietitian for three years. So nothing to do with sports, but I learned so much. I did two-year-olds to 90-year-olds, diabetes, weight gain, weight loss, uh, GI issues, a little bit of eating disorders, kidney disease. I even managed a couple tube feeds. Like I, it was like, literally I was a jack of all trades. The providers would be like, can you see this patient? I'd be like, sure, give me a week to figure it out. Um, so great learning experience. And it was also in a mainly Hispanic low-income population. So I was able to use my Spanish and help that Latin community out in Nashville. Um, and it was a great time, but again, I was missing the sports. And after my three years there, I decided I wanted to come back to sports. However, as you all know, I had a three-year gap in sports and that usually does not fare well. (laughs) going back into sports for the three-year gap from sports. So then I had to find somewhere to bridge that three-year gap. And that's how I ended up at Auburn. So I did a one-year fellowship with Auburn um, where I basically kind of was a full-timer, but still had that little caveat of like, I had to check in with my boss a little bit more consistently. They were expecting me to ask a lot of questions and they kind of recognized that I was in that in-between. Um, worked with women's soccer, softball, and equestrian. Um, love my athletes, love um, the coaches are so supportive, and I just learned a lot. It was a great step back into sports um, and even helped out with football. I assisted a little bit with the basketballs there because um, that dietitian would need help from time to time, and if I had the time, I would help her out. Um, met a lot of great people, worked really closely with my athletic trainers and some of my uh, strength coaches. And then sadly, my fellowship was over and they did not have a full-time position for me. And I knew I wanted to go into a full-time position. So that's when I started the job search um, over last summer and then ended up here in Kentucky, where I now work with uh, volleyball and men's and women's basketball. So that was... I was looking back on my text messages with you that late, late August. Is that when you first started with us? August 21st. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't too far after long after that, the fall semester started that you got on board, but obviously it takes mm-hmm. a little bit of time to get used to a new school, yep. uh, new teams, new staff members. So mm-hmm. this semester will be your first full semester at UK. Yeah. Talk through that because you got two teams that are in season volleyball that's about to start their off season. What are some of your expectations for this upcoming semester? Um, I expect craziness. I expect uh, to honestly just with especially with my basketballs being my first full season here with them. I'm going to be doing a lot of learning and observing um, and trying to 
put in um, the nutrition when and like helping out when I can, right? Um, as you all know, when you first step into a team, your first season with them is a lot of what's, how, how do things roll here? What is the normal way and how can I fit into that? Um, so it's a lot of that. And with volleyball, I'm really excited. It is off season. We're able to do a lot more education because um, sadly I could not do a lot of that last semester. They were in season and I got here a little late into your season. So um, it is not that I have no expectations, but I, I try to manage my expectations so that I'm not disappointed at the end of it. Um, but I also feel like I want to make sure that I am present and able to help out where needed most. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Okay. <laughs> I know it's going to be hectic. So basketball is already in their SEC schedule. Mm -hmm. Women's basketball has a game tomorrow. Men's basketball had a game uh, last night. Um, <laughs> so what excites you about this upcoming season? So you're going to be on the road a little bit. Um, volleyball, we met yesterday with our performance staff, me, you, Katie mm -hmm. Poole, the athletic trainer. So what's what's keeping you going? What's motivating you about this upcoming semester? Honestly, it's kind of just the atmosphere around Kentucky basketball because it is anything – is completely different from anything I've ever experienced. Um, coming from a small D3 school, then Lipscomb, they had a pretty good um, buzz, like internal buzz about their sports. But Kentucky is just different because it is well known. Um, so I'm very excited about just experiencing that aspect of it. Um, honestly, we're at the point in the season where I'm like maybe looking two weeks ahead and not thinking that far ahead um, because I'm really trying to make sure that all my things are covered, but it's the the excitement of it all, knowing that we have great guys, we have great um, athletes in the girls and the women's basketball team too. They're just great to be around, and they um, they're they're really just a great bunch. And it, having that those relationships, starting to keep building those relationships with them, um, I feel like in season you just get a different side of your athletes. Awesome. Um, so one thing we talk about a lot, not only on this podcast, but, you know, within our performance unit, and we touched on a little bit with the meeting we had with me, you and Katie, but it comes down to goals. So what are some of your goals for this upcoming year, this upcoming semester? What's something that's going through your mind that you want to accomplish, whether it's, you know, with men's basketball, women's basketball or volleyball or something else to do in uh, your profession? Um, a big one for me is kind of making a space for myself because as you know, Taylor, um, the previous dietitian had only been here maybe a year. And before that, y'all didn't have a designated dietitian over here. Um, and that is something that kind of caught, caught me off guard, um, when I got here is that it's still a pretty relatively new position. So being, making a space for me so that it is more of a, kind of a, like a, everyone comes to me with any nutrition questions and they all know how to use me. So yes, snacks are a big one, but also like there are more spots that I can help out I can, um, with hydration testing, with injury prevention, with injury recovery for any of our people that are going through um, surgeries or they're just got a setback, right? There's all these other spots that a dietitian can help out with that we're not being used to our fullest here. 
Um, and that is one of my goals to kind of just make that that space for me so that I am just one of the ones that's all automatically kind of included in those conversations instead of me having to reach out and be like, hey. So the hydration testing was something I wrote down that I didn't prep you with, with uh, like talking points, but something we talked about yes. yesterday in our meeting. So, you know, first thing you brought up is like, have you ever guys thought about hydration testing? And Katie and I both looked at you and said, are we, are we having them pee in the cup? What are we doing? Um, so yeah. talk through that a little bit, because I'm guessing it's something you did at Lipscomb and or Auburn or both. Yeah, I did it at Lip, uh, Auburn. Sorry, okay. I did it at Auburn with my soccer girls mainly because I was with them from before the start of their season. So I had a lot more um, yep. Explain explain that whole process because, you know, we talked about cost a little bit and like what the machine looked like, but I think that would be good for our listeners to hear about. Yeah. So there's two different ways to do hydration testing. The usual way, which is what you and Katie kind of thought about is the um, pee in a cup. And then we use what's called your specific gravity to basically measure how much liquid is in your pee versus solids. And that's kind of how the urine test works and you're able to see how hydrated you are based on your urine. Um, the other way that's a much newer way, a l- much less invasive way, which is the one I want to try to get in is saliva testing. So that one, basically it kind of looks like a, if you've ever seen a diabetes, like blood sugar reader, a different shape, but kind of same uh, idea. You have the machine and then you stick a little um, testing strip into it and you just put it on someone's tongue and it can read, I don't know all the science behind that one yet, but it, somehow it reads something. Um, and then you get a number popped out that measures your saliva for your hydration. So both of those are tested, validated. Um, the P1 is a little bit more invasive. And especially with men's teams, I know they get a little squeamish about having to pee in a cup. <laughs> um, so I also just like the fact that the saliva one is something I can just pop into practice and as they're on the sideline, I'm like, here, let me get your hydration, see how you're doing um, a little bit more quick. And just hydration testing in general gives us accurate data or and gives us a number, which our athletes it kind of makes it more tangible for them instead of just me being, are you hydrated? Do you feel well? What color is your pee? Those are great, but they're this very like, it's kind of like loose for them. Once we get data and it's more tangible, then it, I've found it's easier for them to make changes and then see the, that number change based on what they're doing. Yeah. What are your thoughts with like a protocol? Cause I, I think you mentioned yesterday where you would almost want it to be random. So the student athletes wouldn't know like, Hey, I'm doing my hydration test on Monday morning. I'm going to make sure I chug water the day before the night before the morning yeah. of what, what's your thoughts yeah. with the protocol, like the random versus you know, with body weights, especially with me, if I'm taking student athletes, body weights, I, I, I want it to be consistent. So it's like every mm-hmm. Monday morning, that's when we're going to weigh in with what's your thoughts with the hydration testing. Yeah. So you're right. I try not to be too predictable with my hydration testing because they are easily skewed by chugging water an hour before. Right. And I want to get a true sense of their hydration. So the first time around I do it is usually um, the first one will be more planned out because I need to make sure the coaches give me enough time to actually test all 12, 15, 17 athletes. Right. Um, and then after that, based on those numbers, I get it'll, um, I kind of see, okay, well, who was honestly overhydrated? Cause if they're overhydrated, they definitely chugged water knowing it was coming. Um, who is underhydrated. Right. And I kind of go from there. Also talking with the strength coach, talking with the athletic trainer from what they've seen, like who is someone you're worried about, about their hydration. 
And then it kind of becomes, these are the people I'm going to target a little bit more because I know they struggle with their hydration. And then it'll probably be at least, if I can, this all depends on cost because these things can get expensive. Um, Once or twice a week, I would like to, it's one of those things, the more data points we have, the more we can actually um, help our athletes out. But I usually like to do it before practice because hydration before practice is going to be more accurate. Because after practice, you sweat and your hydration kind of goes with it a little bit. If you're keeping up with it during practice, maybe not, but definitely be more of a before practice situation um, just so we can get more accurate data. And then if it's someone who tends to be a very big cramp or maybe even right before a game, make sure they're going into the game actually hydrated. Not just we think they're hydrated, but here's a number that shows me they're hydrated going into the game. Awesome. That makes a lot of sense. And the way you explained it right now, and even in our meeting yesterday, it's like, yeah, that doesn't seem invasive at all. and seems pretty practical. Um, and that kind of led into one other talking point that I want to ask you, and this might be our last one, but, um, you know, every school athletic department performance department is a little bit different. So, you know, one thing you might've been thinking coming into this job at Kentucky is like, I would assume they were doing hydration testing and obviously we're Mm -hmm. not. And that's a great idea you can bring, but what was one, uh, thing that came to you? Like once you got on campus here, were got yourself established that you were like, all right, this is what makes Kentucky unique or something that stands out to you that is like, all right, this is cool because it seems like it's maybe not only done at Kentucky, but Kentucky does it very well. Um, I think we do a pretty good job of kind of having our kids take ownership and um, especially in our field zone, kind of taking ownership of that. Because while, yes, I have volunteers who help me tremendously, really miss them over winter break. Um, our kids, our athletes, sorry, are encouraged to come into the field zone, make themselves a sandwich, make themselves a smoothie. Um, we even have quesadillas in the freezer or we have like the chicken patties that they can pop in the toaster oven. So they're encouraged to really come in and make food as best as we can. We just have a microwave and a toaster oven, but um, they take really good ownership of that. And we're trying to not just here, eat this, but like here, you can make this out of the stuff we have. Um, and that's just here in our field zone. That's not even considering the kitchens we have at Nutter, where they have a full kitchen. We have four or five of them, I think. And those athletes that um, work out at Nutter literally come in and cook their own breakfast and cook their own lunch. Um, so I really love that, that we are having them take ownership and cooking some of their meals as best as we can with what we have here. I think that's a great point. And that's something I often don't see a lot because I've been here for a long time. So that's really cool to hear because that's definitely something we want our student athletes to do. Take ownership of their nutrition, their sleep, mm-hmm. uh, their overall well-being. Like they have to listen to me when they're in the four walls of the weight room. But <laughs> something I try to give ownership to them is like our volleyball team was obviously home for winter break. And I sent mm-hmm. out workouts, but I'm like, hey. If you don't know what to do, please do this, but please also go take a spin class. If you want to do hot yoga with your mom, go do that. So giving them the opportunity to take ownership of their fitness during that, that down period, um, Mm -hmm. I I think is, uh, just goes along with what you just said about, you know, what they're doing in the fuel zone and the Nutter kitchen and all that. Yeah. And I feel like we really do need to give them as much ownership with nutrition because as much as I would love to be there for every meal you're eating, I cannot. 
And I really do need to, my job is to teach you how and why and what, so that when you leave me or you're not with me for lunch or whatever meal, I can trust that you at least know how to feel yourself because you know, we've talked about it and you know what you need after practice in order to recover properly. Um, And that's honestly one of the hardest parts of the job is uh, nutrition is the one thing that we want to control because we know how much of a big impact it has on them, but it's the one thing that we cannot 100% control because they are human, they are athletes in college, they are young adults, and they have some free time and they're going to do with that free time what they will. You just have to educate them and hope that they kind of hear us in the back of their minds, reminding them what they need. Yeah. I think that's key is what exactly what you just said. Teach them the how, teach them the why, because I, and you caught yourself saying it, like they're not kids, they're young adults. They're, they're, they're student athletes. And if we baby them, if we hold their hand every step of the way, they're not going to grow as uh, people, which leads them not growing as athletes, which leads to them not growing as professionals. So mm-hmm. I think you, you hit that on the nail on the head on that one. But Samara, we will end it there. Thank you so much for joining us today. For everybody out there listening, if you have any questions or comments for us, please don't hesitate to email us at ukstrength at uky.edu. Thanks and go Cats.